Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this word because it is good and it is right and it is always the best. So, Lord Jesus, would you help us to understand what you are saying to us today? And we pray it now in your name, Jesus. Amen. There was an old man and a little boy that was riding on a donkey on their way into town, and they passed by a group of people who said, I can't believe that old man has to walk by the side of that donkey while the young boy gets to ride. So the, old man, uh, the young boy got off the donkey, the old man got on, and they started riding along when they passed some other people who said, wow, that poor young boy has to walk and there's enough room on that donkey for both of them. So the young boy got up, back up on the donkey, and after a while they passed by some more people, but those people said, that poor donkey, his back is going to break carrying both of those guys. So they both got off the donkey and started carrying the donkey. Well, they were carrying the donkey, they're going across this bridge, when the weight of the donkey became too much, and suddenly it slipped out of their hands, bounced off the side of the bridge, into the water, and drowned. Well, the moral of the story is, if you try to please everyone, you'll eventually lose your donkey. <laughs> well, now, I had to have a donkey joke in there somewhere, because we're talking about a talking donkey today, and... Uh, we're going through this series, it's called That's in the Bible, and we're looking at these really strange, obscure, hard to understand stories in the Bible like this one, where God uses a talking donkey to save a man from learning a lesson the hard way. But the message today isn't about how to get rescued from bad decisions, it's about discovering God's will for our lives. Because no matter what situation you are in today, no matter what stage of life you are at, everything, everything is moving according to God's greater purpose and will for your life. So let me begin by just kind of setting up this story that Terry read for us. It's 40 years after the Jews have left Egypt. Israel has just conquered two powerful kings, and now Israel has moved into a new land where there is another king. And this king is scared to death that Israel is going to destroy them too. So he sends this delegation of dignitaries to Balaam. Balaam was a diviner, which meant that he talked to spirits and gods who didn't really exist. And he had this reputation for effectively cursing people and nations so that really bad things happened to them. He was a creepy guy. So when the delegation arrives, Balaam acts out all these rituals a diviner would use to hear, all the, hear from all the gods. But Yahweh God suddenly shows up and tells Balaam not to go back with the delegation and curse Israel because, he says, Israel has his blessing. So Balaam sends the delegation away. But then a second delegation shows up with even more dignitaries and even more money. And surprisingly, Balaam thinks he hears God tell him to go ahead and go this time. The passage that Terry just read describes how God uses Balaam's donkey to stop him from making a really big mistake. And then God warns Balaam that he will only be able to say what God tells him to say. Now, the first winter, my wife and I were up here in Washington. It snowed, and there was about four to six inches of snow on the ground. Being from Southern California at the time, we were really excited. So since uh, we, so we decided to take our daughter, who was re really young at the time, and the two dogs that we owned, on us walk. 
Uh, and one of the dogs was really big, really strong. He weighed over 100 pounds. So I got this bright idea. I thought it would be really cool to hitch the dog up to a sled so that he could pull our daughter on the street, right? And then we'd just walk alongside the dog along with this other dog. It'd just be this really cool Leatherberry family moment there in the snow, you know. Well, that was the plan. And the dog seemed good with the plan and all the ropes and stuff hooked up to him and the sled. But the moment, the moment I put my daughter into the sled, bam, the dog took off like a rocket. And that sent me into motion running as fast as I could after that dog. And because fast has never been an adjective used to describe the way I run, there was uh, this growing distance between us that was growing exponentially. Now you may be wondering, what were you thinking? <laughs> Which was exactly what I was thinking as I was running after that dog. What was I thinking? Now fortunately the dog stopped and my daughter was okay and everything turned out fine and I have wised up a lot since then. Pretty much. But wouldn't it have been cool if just before I put my daughter in the sled the dog would have suddenly turned around, looked at me and said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Now, actually, that dog, that could have helped me out an awful lot. I mean, many times, because I have had to learn too many things the hard way, way too many times. How about you? Anybody here have to learn a lesson the hard way? Maybe uh, you're there today. Maybe it's a relationship you are in or a relationship that you've just gotten out of. Maybe it's a financial thing. You've made some investments or a loan or some loans. Or it's a decision or a series of decisions that you made on the job and you wish you could just erase the whole thing like a bad math problem up on the chalkboard. God doesn't use talking animals much these days to help us, but he does give us some very clear ways of discovering his will for our lives. And there are two principles that come out of the text this morning that really helps us uh, discover God's will. And the first one is this. Discovering God's will starts with God. Discovering God's will for your life can feel really challenging, especially if your name is Balaam. He was about as spiritually blind, dense, and lost as it comes. But in this story, God takes the initiative. It's God that makes the first move and the second move. Balaam is on his way to curse Israel. So God uses this donkey to steer Balaam away. And when Balaam resists, then God causes that donkey to talk. And when Balaam still doesn't get it, then God opens Balaam's eyes to see that there's an angel that is blocking his way. See, God is serious about his will and his purpose for this world. And if he can reveal his will to a dense, stubborn, spiritually blind guy like Balaam, then he can reveal his will to us too. Because discovering God's will starts with God. Now, God wants you to know his will more than you want to know his will. So he takes the responsibility to reveal it to us, which means that he will close doors that are open, and he will open doors that have been shut, no matter how tightly they have been shut. He will arrange all the details days, weeks, months, years ahead of time. He is doing that right now. He will remove all the obstacles that are in your way. He will take your failures and make them directional. He will take 
what has been bad and tragic, and he will use them for good and his glory. What if, what if God uses, or can use all of your decisions, all of your choices, everything that you are going through now or you have been through? What if God can take all of that to bring you to the exact place he wants you to be in? Right here, right now. God's will and his purpose is big enough, has always been big enough to guide you, whoever you are, wherever you have been. So let me ask you this morning, what is God trying to say to you about your life? What area of your life is God trying to speak into? Where's God getting your attention? Discovering God's will starts with God. Now, the second general principle about discovering God's will is the principle of do what you already know. Now, the highlight of the story, in my opinion, is the part where Balaam accuses his donkey of making him look like an idiot because the donkey does make him look like an idiot. Balaam was traveling with this elite group of dignitaries sent from the king, and they offered him a lot of money to come back with them. Now, according to their king, Balaam was the most powerful diviner in the whole region, and the only hope for their country rested on him. So Balaam is feeling like a rock star, and he has what is the equivalent of a 21st century VP escort going on. Only back then, you had to drive your own limo, which in Balaam's case is this donkey, who Balaam can't seem to keep going in, the straight, in a straight direction. Now, the first time Balaam drove off the road and started going the wrong way, nobody said anything. The second time, when his donkey banged into the wall and smashed his foot, I'm pretty sure some of those dignitaries started snickering a little bit. And the third time, when Balaam totally crashed and burned and the donkey laid out on the road, those guys started laughing hysterically. This guy is the hope of our country? What an idiot! And of course, talking to the donkey didn't help his case much either. <laughs> but none of that needed to happen because God had already told Balaam not to go. And if Balaam had acted on what he knew, he would have sent that second delegation away. And he would have never ended up in the middle of a VIP escort acting like a madman. But Balaam wanted the money. And Balaam wanted the attention that went along with his reputation. You see, often the key in trying to discover God's will for our lives isn't in waiting for God to reveal the right answer. It's in obeying what we already know. Like the stuff we've already learned, like the stuff we've learned in the Bible about unconditional love or about justice. Those things change the way we ask our questions and the questions that we ask. Change it from, should I do this? Or will this work out well for me? To, what is the most loving thing for me to do in this situation? Or what is best for this other person? Or what is the just, right, fair, righteous thing to do? You see how that changes things? Now there are also things that we already know about us, about the way God has wired us, the gifts he's given us, the strengths we have, the way God has used us in the past. And a choice that makes us do something that uh, is different than, the way, than what we already know about ourselves, that most likely will turn out badly for us. 
When we do what God has already shown us, discovering God's will becomes a lot clearer. So those are the two general principles that, about discovering God's will for our lives that come out of the text. The first one, the discovering God's will starts with God. And the second one, do what you already know. Now, a husband came home from work one day, and he found everything in total disorder. I mean, the kids were still in their pajamas. They're out playing in the front yard. They're in the mud. The house inside was even a bigger mess. There are dirty dishes in the sink. There's food spilled all over the floor. There's some dog food on the, in the corner, milk all under the, under, under the table. And as he walked into the family room, he noticed toys and clothes everywhere. Well, then he got really concerned about his wife, like maybe she was sick or something bad happened to him. So he went upstairs to find her. And, of course, he had to step over all these toys and stuff that were on the stairway, uh, stairway and in the hallway. And he reached the bedroom, found his wife in bed with her pajamas on, reading a book. Well, she looked at him, up at him, smiled, and asked how his day went. Well, first he was relieved that she was okay, but then he was really confused. And he asked, what happened here today? She smiled at him again, and she said, you know, when you come home and you ask, you know, every day, um, you ask me what I did today? Well, yeah, he replied. Well, I didn't do it. <laughs> today, I didn't. Anyway, okay, so, so what we do with our lives, what we do with our lives matters. And what we don't do with our lives, that, doesn't, that matters as well. So there are some key steps, key steps to take in order to help us discover God's will for our lives. There are five. First, surrender and trust. See, the first step in discovering God's will is to surrender your decision and the outcome to Jesus. Commit his agenda, uh, or commit to his agenda for your life and let go of yours. Let go of your fear just release it all. Don't try and convert Jesus to your will. Rather, let Jesus convert you to his will. And trust that God's will is good, it's perfect, it's pleasing, and that he really is intent on revealing his will to you. Second, read scripture. Now, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that shows us God's will about things like relationships and how we handle money and how we treat other people, like the people at work or the people we live with or our parents or people at school. A lot of the answers to the question we are, questions we're asking, they are already in the Bible. And one of the best tools to help you find those uh, answers is a Bible concordance. A concordance lists all the different topics and subjects that are in the Bible, and then it shows scriptures that speak to each of those different topics. So find the topic you are looking for, look up the scriptures that are listed there, and write down those different scriptures to see what God may be saying to you. Third, pray. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that we can learn uh, from that, uh, about God's will, but there's also a lot of answers we're looking for that aren't clear, uh, even after we've studied the Bible. So, so pray. Um, ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray. Sometimes I don't even know what to pray, and I'm just asking, you know, Holy Spirit, show me how to pray. Show me what to pray for here. Ask God to guide you uh, with each uh, one. 
as you pray over the details of the situation. You kind of carefully go through the details, and then you ask God to sort of guide you through each of those details. And then wait for an answer. Write down what you think God may be saying to you as uh, you're praying. And pray continually. Don't give up. Discovering God's will is more like a marathon than it is a 50-yard dash. Fourth, talk to some trusted friends and mentors. So you can't figure it out alone. You need people to help you, to speak into your life. A few key people who really know you, know what you're passionate about, what breaks your heart, what concerns you, what gives you life. People who can speak openly and honestly to you without any sense of fear. So tell them what you're hearing from Scripture and prayer, and then see if the counsel they're giving you is consistent with what you're hearing from Scripture and prayer. And then the last piece is make the best decision you can, leave the results to God. See, when the time to decide comes, when you've surrendered the decision to Jesus, you've read Scripture, you've prayed, you've confided in some trusted friends and sought their counsel, and you've compared it to what you already know, make the best decision you can with what you have. Now, someone told me this week that as they coach people in decision-making, they coach people to say, and, and say, you know, make, not making a decision is actually making a decision by default. So make the best decision that you can and then leave the results with God. Now, I realize this sounds pretty slick and, and a little silly, like do these five things and you'll be able to discover God's will for your life. Yes, for just $9.99, you too can purchase this date. The truth is that trying to find God's will is more mystery than it is five easy steps. Because there's always some uncertainty, isn't there? I mean, there's always uncertainty, which means that making a decision is always an act of trust in Jesus, that he will show up and that he will work in the decision no matter what. Now, my wife, Chris, and I were in a small group Bible study with a few other students on our college dorm floor, and there were about eight of us who sort of stayed together as we moved through those college years. We read a lot of scripture. We um, just kind of discussed how it applied to our lives. We talked a lot about what it would look like if we really, really lived our lives for Jesus and served him. God used that study to shape us in ways that we never could have imagined at the time. Uh, of the eight who were in that group, two got married, moved to Kenya, and have formed their own mission organization. One is a missionary in Tanzania. Another is a missionary in Albania. One was involved in a ministry in Southern California before we lost touch with him. And my wife and I are up here. None of us could possibly have known how God was going to use us back then, how God was going to shape our lives, how it was going to all turn out for us. We were young, we were dumb, we were a little naive. We all made some mistakes along the way. There were serious health problems, there were challenges in our marriages, with our children, with job changes. We've had to ask God all along for his guidance. And that process of discovering God's will has always looked the same. Trusting and surrendering, reading scripture, praying, trusting in some good friends for their coaching and counsel, and then before, finally reaching out in faith and making a key decision. There is a story going on behind the story that Terry read. 
It's the story of God's greater purpose. It's a story of God's plan for rescue for people everywhere and uh, his desire to win back everyone, everything that was lost to him from the fall. So God first sent a person, Abraham, and then he sent a nation, Israel, and then he sent a savior, Jesus, and then he sent a church to make all things new, new relationships with God, new relationships with one another, a new beginning for the poor and the oppressed, and nothing Nothing, not Balaam, not any spiritual power, not any authority, principality, no military, no nation can stand up against or oppose God's greater purpose. When we say yes to Jesus, our story and all the decisions we face in this life immediately become part of God's greater story. So wherever you are today, whatever stage of life you are in, you are not uh, too young or too old too sick or too busy, too broken or too burned out for God to use you. From the moment you were born to the moment someone else will lay you in the ground, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He will embrace every shortcoming, redirect any failure, capture every flaw, and he will use it for his glory. His timing is always perfect. His strength cannot be shaken. His love endures forever. This life is just a temporary assignment. This is not our home. So what decisions are you facing that you need God to speak into? And how might having God's greater purpose, eternal perspective, sort of change the way you're looking at the decisions you're making now? So Lord Jesus, we praise you that all that is seen and unseen is subject to your authority, to your power, to your greater purpose, that you are redeeming this world, that you are claiming lives, that you are claiming us and engaging that in, uh, us in that. So, Father, today we pray that you would reveal your will and your purpose in our lives. Would you speak into the areas of our lives that we need spoken into? Jesus, we're listening, and we pray this now in your name. Amen.